Hey guys, Crunch here with a bit of a disclaimer. We suffered some technical issues with Matt's recording for this episode. I did the best I could with the edit. It's not perfect. I apologize. I hope it doesn't ruin your listening experience too much. Rest assured, we have taken steps to rectify this in the future, thanks to our patrons. Enjoy. Alright everybody, Caleb here again. Uh, we are doing our post-game wrap-up for our special edition of The Trials of Post-Replica. Uh, and at the interview table here with me again are our two players. Uh, we've got Matthew and Kevin. Hey guys, how we doing? Hello. Hey, we're doing great. Cool. Uh, thank you very much for coming back on with us here for our wrap-up. Um, let's just jump right into it. I had a lot of fun playing that game. <laughs> I uh, I think we took it off the rails a little bit. We made it a lot more lighthearted and goofy um, than I think other games have been. But I had a blast playing that game. What do you guys think? Yeah, I definitely think that we... Uh, like, the game had a potential... For being lighthearted, I mean, we made a couple of on-the-side jokes, but whenever we were playing our characters, we played it a bit straight. Um, I, I could definitely see how it could be a very dramatic game, especially if you're playing the role of an android and you're trying to hide in plain sight, uh, pass yourself off as human. Um, I think, Caleb, your interaction with the guardsman Wiley was a great little role-play dynamic that, uh, you know, was interesting and i wish i could have dived more into that but you were running it so well i was uh i thought we were having a lot of uh hokey jokey fun right until we uh got back to the town and then i was like oh shit this is a real friggin game gotta talk to this guy i don't know what to say we were out there he knows he, this guy doesn't have a leg this guy's popping around with no leg he's definitely got no <laughs> reclaimer was scary i mean <laughs> Like, I yeah. we went back to town. I was like, he's only one guy, so we could kill him. But do we want to? I think it's great that even in just... I mean, we played for less than two hours. So we didn't really get to dive into the world and the characters a lot. But even in that short time, when Anthony brought on the NPC Reclaimer, we all reacted really well. Like, we knew in that moment, oh, this is the guy that gets us in trouble. So I, I don't know if that was due to just us knowing as role players that was the intention and we adjusted to it. Uh, I, I think it was more um, the world. I mean, we knew the world we were going into, so we knew the dangers of the characters. I mean, we have uh, the playtest packet that we have is a very light touch playtest play packet, but the mention of the reclaimers in that you know, it, it put a little fear of God in you, and that's kind of the intention they feel like they provide. Um, they're almost like religious zealots, in a way, going against the androids. And once that guy showed up, like, it, it kind of snapped me into the game a little bit more. And I felt like, you know, once the lore is fleshed out more in this thing, 
I mean, those guys are pretty scary dudes for an android. They mean death for an android. You make one false move, they probably mean death for humans that accidentally come off as a little androidish, you know? And they're probably considered accept acceptable losses in the battle against androids. I mean, this is just me kind of inferring into the lore, but it, it would make perfect sense to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Absolutely, Kevin. Um, I think in a longer campaign where you really got to invest time into your character, you really would see the the danger of the world and the uh, very quick way you could find yourself at the wrong end of a lynch mob, uh, to use the vernacular. Um, if you said the wrong thing or failed a role and, and something happened the wrong way. Um, I, I think the lore of this world um, is what is what drew me to the game the most. Uh, when when these guys first approached us uh, for doing this playtest, that's what grabbed me. I liked how the setting was that uh, real gritty, dark uh, cyberpunk world. I liked the the echoes of Blade Runner and Matrix and all these other really classic, uh, stereotypical sci-fi cyberpunk settings, um, and everything you can do with those stories. There, there's so much that you can tell within that framework, and that's what I like the best about it. Yeah, I think with uh, and it's such an interesting framework because when you start making characters, like once this lore is fleshed out. I mean, you could make characters that are all reclaimers, for example. And, you know, even though we may, from an overwatching viewpoint, see the reclaimers as somewhat evil, I mean, in their world, androids have the potential to become buzzers, uh, which are obviously just malcontents. I mean, they're evil creatures that you have to put down. Uh, so it's like, you know... Obviously, wiping out a sentience like the androids comes across as evil, but you could come up with a lot of different character concepts and arcs to play with in this. Um, I mean, the Reclaimers probably, I mean, they think they're doing the best thing for humanity, uh, whereas the androids, I mean, they're sentient beings. I mean, can you really say wiping them out is a good thing? I mean, it's a very interesting setting. What's uh what's your feeling about the settings there, Matthew? Uh I thought it was uh I thought it was a very interesting setting. I would have liked more lore myself. Like that salt thing came out of left field for me. Uh but I was actually uh I was actually thinking that this is funny that this is our second post apocalyptic uh cyberpunk world for both for three of us. Uh that what's the chances of that? I mean <laughs> Very true. Very true. And I was seeing the high reclaimers as more of uh, the inc uh, the inqu Inquisition from uh, from Warhammer Forty K, where they like uh, good analogy, right? Yeah, they, the way they just root out whatever their chosen target is. So in this case, it was it was robots. But uh, I thought it was a fun game. I thought I I, I like the way I let you you handle the uh, guy in the bar because I really wasn't I wasn't plugged in yet. And then when we got back to town, I was on the <laughs> I reclaimer like it was my job. Because I looked at my stats like when you were talking to the guy, I was like, oh shit, I should actually be talking to this guy because I have four dice for all this bluff shit. Yeah, you saved my butt. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I had four dice, too. <laughs> oh, well, you were just rolling like garbage then. On that one, at least. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, I, I think we can we can go right from there into a little bit about the mechanics themselves. Um, the mechanics are really simple. Really weird. There's definitely <laughs> odd. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we all had that moment of, wait, what are we doing? Like when I picked the wrong initiative, that was fine. Right. Um, <laughs> but that's going to happen with any new system. Well, any system that pits one of its roles, like where the low roll... Yeah. Uh, is, well, I don't know if it's necessarily better because the initiative system is the oddball of the whole thing. I mean, it's yeah. got a unique aspect to it. I don't know that I completely love it, but it's unique. Yeah, it was just counterintuitive to me because I'm looking for high numbers all these other times. So I made this high number, and then all of a sudden, when I realized what I did, I was like, oh, God, I'm going last. The trade off was that you're initiative was also your defense yeah no that's interesting yeah i mean you saw what happened to me i was down to five health or what was it um resolve resolve they called it by the end of it and that's a low number in this game uh and i had the lowest speed therefore i went first mm -hmm. but i almost regretted it towards the end because i was i was going down fast i mean a seven it's very easy to surpass a seven with three six-siders. Right. Well, I, I think one of the difficulties with dealing with that is the fact that we are not playing at the same table. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what I thought the entire time. Right. Had we been at the table, I think it would have been a little bit easier to share the weight of making that right decision about initiative and speed and things like that. Um, it is count very counterintuitive that you kind of want, you might want a low number, but you also might want a high number when it comes to initiative. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like the tactics that it gives you because with a lot of these dice, you're by default going to choose the three highest results. Mm -hmm. However, some of the... Um, tactics that they gave us uh, did have a, a use where you might want a lower result. Uh, like, for example, one of my attacks on the pregen I used said if you don't do damage to the target, you get to move them on the battlefield. So tactically, if we hadn't been getting our asses handed to us in that fight... I don't know what you're talking about. I, <laughs> except for you... Hiding behind the SUV. Yes. Um, I, I could have been trying to move these enemies around a little bit to set them up for some of our other tactical maneuvers. I'm very interested to see what character creation will look like in this system. Um, yeah, that's something we didn't touch on at all. Yeah, I mean, it's not part of the playtest packet, so yeah. we don't really know what it looks like yet. Um, I mean, it's like you have your major stats... You have the initial stat and the secondary stats uh, that determine your roles for hitting in combat or using your abilities in combat. But I'm interested to see like whether choosing a certain type of character produces like a packet 
of those tactics or if you can handpick things because it seems like the tactics usually had like three versions of movement abilities and then three versions of damaging abilities or something like that. I mean, it's... I really would like to see character creation. I agree with you absolutely, Kevin. I, I want to see how these guys are, are created from scratch. Um, I, I think in this playtest world, they tried to give each pregen very similar options, just with different flavors of each tactic and all the dice they rolled, just so that you everyone could try all the different things. Um, and, I mean, you guys heard it. Anthony was pretty much doing a couple adjustments on the fly for us saying, you know what? Yeah, I, I think this works better this way. So let's try it this way. So mm-hmm. um, this is a work in progress. Uh, and these guys are definitely very flexible in trying to reach their goals of uh, making a very nice polished system. Yeah, that was impressive. I really like, I mean, the specific example is when I used the expose ability, which allowed me to re-roll a one or a two which initially only worked on the one bonus die, which isn't all that helpful because what are the chances on one die? Well, I know what the chances are exactly, but you're rolling all these dice beforehand. I mean, you'd like to maybe change one of those. So, And he kind of switched it on the fly. He's like, you know what? It makes sense. You could switch one of any of the dice you roll. And I liked that. Um, I I like the fact that the quote-unquote stats for these androids were pretty flexible. Um, they they weren't a comparison of physical and mental. They were a little bit like uh, a fate setup in that they told you how you did things and you got to apply them to an action. Um, I think if we had had time to roleplay a little bit more in the world, we would have seen some really interesting ways we could have applied something like, you know, focus to a regular interaction. You know, just how we defined it, how we justified using the dice to do what we wanted to do in the moment. Um, I like that kind of freeform system. I, I think it allows for a lot of player creativity. What do you guys think? Yeah, I really enjoyed the justification process. I haven't played uh, Fate yet myself, but I've listened to it enough that I understand at least in part how it goes. But the justification thing was uh, was interesting. I mean, it made, had me save uh, Colin at the end. So. Spoilers. Spoilers if you're listening to this first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, I really did like the justification thing. I mean, obviously it comes down to a GM's call on, on what primary and secondary ability you're using there. Um, I'm not sure if that's the actual term I should be using. Uh, potential and capability are the two terms. Um, I, I did like that a lot. I mean, I just got to keep going back to the lore. I want to play around in this world. I mean, you mentioned it with we would have been able to figure out different ways to kind of play around with that. Um, it's a fun world to mess with. And I'm not even always a huge post-apocalyptic fan but there's something about this place that calls to me. And one of the things uh, that I really like speaking about the lore is the fact that the rule book, when it is printed, will be written in the sense, in the tone of a handbook for survival 
that is written by androids and handed down from each android to the next. Oh, oh that's cool. Yeah, so th- this world is uh, essentially after the war, androids are just randomly coming back to life for no apparent reason, at least at this point in the lore. Some of them go crazy and they become buzzers, but some of them just gain sentience and have to learn how to survive. So the rule book is almost more like a ha- is a, is a handbook. It's exactly like a handbook. It, it's it reads more like a novel that you want to read from start to finish. And in the course of this, hey fellow android, here's how humans don't kill us. The rules are worked into that, and I think that's really unique. Mm. I love that. Um, so so many rule books these days are dry as a bone. I mean, they are just present the mechanics. Um, here's a little tidbit of lore, something like that. But I mean, if the entire thing is geared towards being like almost a survival manual, I mean, it just adds, makes it a little bit more interesting. And I can see that lended to future rule books for this system where it's like, well, here's the reclaimers rule book. Here is the like day to day human adventurers rule book. You know, it's like they could go with that kind of, um, I don't know, like survival manual for all of the classes or even advance the storyline when humans, humans who have become sympathizers are joining with the androids, things like that. It's almost going uh, in that regard. It reminds me of the White Wolf games where each rule book is its own game and faction. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I could see that very easily working if uh, these guys want to include reclaimers eventually. Because, I mean, that just writes itself. That's the reclaimer handbook. Hi, fellow human. You are now a reclaimer. Here's what we do. You hate robots? Yeah. It, it becomes the uh, the Uncle Sam poster. We want you. Did you drink all the Kool-Aid? Well, you're in the right place. Yeah, I, I think I think this game has a lot of possibility for telling really creative stories. Um, as we prove tonight, it's easy to tell a more lighthearted, goofy game that is obviously focused on combat where you're just getting things accomplished. Um, But there's clearly a lot of room for really complicated stories. Uh, I very easily see tales about, okay, well, this guy says he is not an android. Prove it. Just a complete role-play game. I could see that happening. Mm -hmm. No combat, and it'd still be pretty fun. Yeah, I think the challenge there would come from the interesting ways to use those roles, uh, how to justify um, what skills you're applying, because that really flavors your roleplay decision. You know, if I'm saying I'm using, uh, you know, focus instead of, you know, whatever would boil down to trickery or just convincing someone of what I'm doing. Yeah, the only thing about that is... Everything beyond potential and capability has to do with combat. Like your talents, your weapons, your tactics, it's all combat-oriented. It would be kind of interesting if there were a few more um, out-of-combat options that would pop up in tactics or something like that. True, 
true. Um, I agree with you. I think we have to remember that this is still a playtest environment we're using. Um, mm -hmm. Anthony did say that they were experimenting with some abilities that were more of um, an intimidate or a fear effect. Now, he still phrased that in terms of combat, but I'm sure there's going to be some creative uses of that in role-playing. Um, but yeah, I, I would very much like to see some some tactical abilities that are social, social tactics. Um, and that might be a certain type of android only can get that. Maybe there was, you know, like the protocol droid, basically, if, if that exists in this world. I was okay with all the tactics and stuff being uh, strictly combat because I feel like it lends to uh, you needing to be more inventive and more uh, thinking outside the box for role-playing, which we did do at the end. That's very true. Yeah, that is a good point. And it, the role just backed up what you said or vice versa. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and to, to uh, agree with, with Matthew's point there, um, I think having a focus on combat abilities reinforces the dangerous nature of the world. Um, the, the fact that these androids yeah. are such a minority... They are so oppressed. They they are barely scratching out their survival. They need to be able to defend themselves and work together because there are so few of them compared to the rest of humanity. Now, at this time, is the focus solely on the androids? Uh, is that really who the player characters are expected to be? From my understanding and my discussion with Anthony, yes. Okay. Players are androids learning to survive in this post-apocalyptic, paranoid world. I see. Did he say where the world was? Because he kept saying, what's Italian food? And I'm like, okay. Please. <laughs> Don't. Well, uh, the, the setting uh, of the world is in the near future, humanity invented AI and androids. And they had a very luxurious life exploiting these androids to do their daily jobs. They eventually said, oh, well, let's just put the androids to war. So anytime there were armed combat and conflicts, the androids were fighting. And then there was something called the Last War, in which the androids were fighting against humanity, and the androids were all but eliminated. And that was when mm -hmm. humanity became paranoid about androids, wanted to get rid of them. At that point, we kind of get that Matrix-y vibe where they wanted to eliminate all that stuff that had served them previously. And at that point, mm -hmm. the world became more of that post-industrial, post-apocalyptic, going back to the Stone Age kind of survival. Um, now, we again, we are only working with a part of this lore possibly as they mm -hmm. really refine this and release the actual books later this year or whenever um, they actually print everything, maybe we'll find out that this time in the future is thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So possibly they forgot what Italian food was. <laughs> they really seem to stick with you, Matt. <laughs> I just really find that hard to believe. What, one of the things I really appreciated about this game was what they called progressive challenges where, uh, and this was what they did when we were um, looking for the battery. 
where there was a, a target number or a DC that was purposefully very high. And the GM had one of us choose who's going to do the actual role. And everybody else got to make a, uh, a support role. And they traded dice. They gave dice to that one player who was actually making the final role. Uh, I think that was a really cool way to solve the like group skill check problem that other games mm-hmm. struggle with. Yeah, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, it was just these two guys helped out. Um, Caleb, he gave me one die. Matt gave me two, and that just added to my initial die roll, and it was it wasn't hard at all. Nope. Yeah, it, it was it was really intuitive. It was very organic. It was hey, I'm gonna do this to help Kevin's character. Oh, I'm gonna do this to help Kevin's character. Great. Kevin has a shitload more dice now. You're welcome, Kevin. Here you go. It it didn't suffer from that, oh, I need to roll my d20 versus a different DC to see if I can add to his skill check. It wasn't the, hey, we're doing a skill check and we need so many successes before so many failures. It just made sense. Uh, and I like the fact that it's built into the rules. It's not an add-on. It's not a, a homebrew. It's not something that we as GMs have come up with over the course of playing the game to get people involved. Um, I was going to say, that's another thing. Like, there's no... The deal with having, like, just a target number to hit, um, and the re-rolls counteract the need for having, like, a bunch of bonuses floating around that people have to keep in mind for math purposes and stuff. It's like, you know, you do the re-rolls, you try to Yahtzee your score as high as you can, and you know the math right there because it's laying in front of you. You don't have to worry about, it's like, oh, I have a plus five to this specific fight, blah, blah, blah. It's all it's all mixed in with the dice rolls. And along those same lines, when you're hitting somebody to do damage, that's just an immediate transfer. If, if I surpass their speed, which is their defense, the amount I surpass their defense by is the damage they take. Mm-hmm. Really simple. Um... A lot of times with the weapons, you get an extra dice or two of damage, and a lot of the tactics let you add dice or add rerolls to specific damage. Um, and that's besides the point, just the very simple mechanic of I rolled a hit, if I hit, I immediately have defined my damage already. It's simple, it's quick, uh, and it's really easy for new players. I can attest I'm a new player. Um, so speaking of combat, let's talk about that battle arc. You mean the one I didn't use? Would have worked so much better in person. Yeah. Uh, obviously, had we all been at the same table, so much more sense. Because yes. um, I think also it would have been easier for Anthony to explain it to us. Not that he did a bad job at all. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But it would have been easier for him to teach us, hey, you're doing this wrong. You need to put this over here and that over there conceptually though i really liked it i am a huge 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 fan of this what do you guys think uh i'm a miniatures player for the most part so i'm a fan of this regardless it's just a simpler uh it almost reminds me of a a battle map like um not a battle map like a a play map for like a card game where everyone has their own personal little thing so Mm -hmm. i like that but i just felt that online 
with this old if you're our first time using it it was a little clunky but I didn't find it hard to use or anything I had my little poker chips it was cute yeah um Kevin I know you were a step or two behind with using it <laughs> but uh that wasn't your fault that was just simply we were trying to figure out what the hell we were doing yeah I mean I I felt like I kept my character out in the open more than I would have had I had it out in front of me, you know? And because I had certain abilities that could have gained my character cover, and I can still use his ability through cover, um, I just feel like, you know, I could have done a better job of using that. And, you know, I could have done that even online. Now that I know about it a little bit more, I feel like if I had fought another battle, I would have been able to dance around the battlefield a little bit more. I'm trying to remember the name of the system, and it will come to me. Uh, but there's another system. It's a free system that's online that I actually played with when the Angry GM ran it for me at Gen Con one time. Uh, and it has a lot to do with various aspects of the battlefield. And, oh, I'm going to come up with it. Just put a pin in that. I'll come up with it before this is done. And it reminded me of that. Well, I, I think the biggest difficulty for the three of us was that we are all very used to Dungeons and Dragons combat. We are all very used to, I do here, I move here, I do this, uh, and dealing with the effects of combat and monsters and any environment or, or what might be in the battlefield. Um, a lot of what um, Post Replica is doing is is more focused on interaction between the the PCs, uh, the fellow androids who are fighting. Um, it, it's a lot of battlefield manipulation. It, it's a lot of I do this so you can do that, or I do this because you did that kind of thing. Um, one thing I noticed is a lot of times we were saying oh, I'm in cover, can I still attack this guy? Or can I still use this attack? And Anthony was always saying, yes, of course. But I think we had it in our mindset, if I shift to cover, if I shift to hiding, I can't do something. Um, but the, the focus on post-replica is more, I'm hiding from this guy so I can do this, but it doesn't mean I'm hiding from this guy who's over here. So... It, it's definitely a shift in how we think about combat. Did you find what you were looking for, Kevin? I did. Uh, this is called being an experienced gamer. <laughs> I had at, like, right next to me, Old School Hack has a mechanic, um, which it's a free system. I suggest you try it out. Um, if Basically, a lot of the combat matters where you're standing in, like, this combat hex there's a lot of different options on the field, and you move your characters amongst it. Reminded me a lot of the battle arc. I mean, it's a little bit different, but uh, there are some similarities. And I, I really like that combat style, like setting yourself up from where you are, not necessarily specific points on a battlefield like you'd get with grid combat, but conceptual positions on a battlefield. I, I think if if the dice had treated us differently... Uh, we would have been able to have a little bit more fun with that. Um, the specific character I chose had abilities where 
I could have given you guys my action to take extra attacks. Or I, I was setting up the bad guys to make them easier to hit or things like that. Um, it's just the dice were against us, so we didn't really get to play around with that. Um, my one ability hamstring, that was way more powerful than I thought. Because when I first read it, I ju it just said you lower their speed. Okay, so I moved them to a different point in the initiative order. But as we played the game, I realized that also potentially removes their entire turn depending on what point you are in initiative. It also, because speed is the same as defense, makes it way easier to hit and damage them. I mean, that one move uh, could have just doubled or tripled the damage that we did to a character had we rolled better or had better tactical stacking of attacks. Yeah, that's one thing, like, with the damage... I mean, this is a potentially lethal game. Like, if you've got a relatively low speed, you could get taken out quick. Same goes for the enemies. I mean, there's some lethality going on. But I think that's good. I think that fits the lore. I think that fits the, we don't know if we're going to live to see tomorrow, so... Yeah, nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Um, So, let's see. Anything else we want to talk about with combat specifically we we went over the battle arc we talked about tactics and the dice a little bit the different sides of it um it's definitely something new to get used to but i think it really has its merits for keeping everybody involved and paying attention to combat uh i, I think it has its merits for lots of fun descriptive role-playing and narration when when you're fighting something um I'm a fan. I really like it. I like it, too. The only minor nitpick I would have is that speed is a roll three, keep two type thing, and everything else you keep three. So, like, it's minorly confusing. It obviously, with such a simple system, is not going to be a make or break, but that is something I kind of caught on to. I agree. It is the one outlying factor of this mechanic that all does pretty much the same thing um what about you matthew what's your final take on uh, combat and such i like that when you noticed um there was a, a move that was like our robot move because we were you know doing our robot things and then one that was like a mundane but also a super move um and also the the initiative thing was just uh it was just confusing for me because i forgot about it I don't know if anyone else forgot about it, but I definitely did. And then, I, and like you said, I guess it's a, it was both a boon and a, and, and a bane for it to be. I had such high, you know, speed, so I was harder to hit, but I was also waiting for everyone else to slog through their turn before I could go. And I was supposed to be the rogue, so it was just weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, it's a good summary there. Um so I, I think the last thing we should talk about here is something we didn't really get to talk about during the play test, but Anthony and I talked about um, in depth during our interview. Uh, the, the fellows that are making post-replica are including with it uh, a, an app for your tablet or your phone. 
Now, this is not an app to use to play the game. It's not a character sheet. Uh, it's not a map to play on. This app is to tell the story of the world of Post Replica. I, I defined it best as this is uh, the... Um, the book that has all the facts in it about the NPCs, about the world. Um, essentially, the way the app works is if you're using the app, and you don't have to by any means, but if you are using it, it gives you missions and story points. It gives you a scenario, and you, and you put it in the middle of the table, and the GM uses it, and it tells you how the story evolves from that point forward. So... The example Anthony gave us is, let's say you click on the mission that says uh, Farmer John is running for mayor, uh, but Farmer Sam is convinced that John is an android. So what side do you take? Are you working for John? Are you working for Sam? And how do you move forward in the story? And then the app gives you a kind of choose, not really choose your own adventure, but in that style where there's like a branching options tree. You know, if you succeed at A, B, and C, this next thing happens. But if you fail, then this thing happens. So like, almost like, I mean, it's not a pre-written adventure. It's almost like a soft touch pre-written adventure. I mean, it can give you ideas. Like if you're looking for something to run that night, and people just want to pick up the game. It's like, well, let's run one of these. I mean, they'll give us soft touches for like what a success or failure might mean. I like it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, but he did say that there were also going to be pre-made adventures released through the app. Uh, kind of like buying a splat book. Buying a the first episode of uh, a show or a, a whatever it might be. Um, he, Anthony said there's going to be a little bit of everything, kind of a, a pick up and go, play through the adventures. Um, a lot of that stuff is going to be potentially free or included, depending on your pledge level in the Kickstarter. Um, some of that stuff will be offered as in-app purchases, uh, including the PDF of the rulebook. So if you miss the rulebook, during the Kickstarter, uh, or if you just want an extra one, you can go into the app and just buy the PDF so it's right there to refer to while you're playing the game. Um, and then you can buy these little chapters of adventures, and they might be 3 to $5. So they give you a couple games, a couple stories, and you just move on forward. Uh, he said that they are working on writing their own adventures, their own lore uh, supporting the world, but they will also be bringing in people to write for them. So, you know, if, if Matthew here wrote up an adventure for Post Replica, people can say, hey, here's Matt's chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. I'm going to buy chapter 1, and if I like it, you know, I'll, I'll kick it and buy the rest of everything. Can I sign up to write things for this? I already have a couple of short stories <laughs> kicking around in my brain as is. I agree. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I feel that way too. I was gonna say it reminds me of those those uh, um, D and D modules that came out like towards the end of. Uh, I want to say it was towards the end of second edition, or maybe it was in third or anything. No, I feel like it was the end of second second edition where there was CDs, 
And it was basically like a choose your own story, but on a CD. And it was like, if you're going through the door, skip to track six. If you're going to fight the gargoyle, skip to track four. Yeah, it definitely has that flavor. That Their intention here is not to be an MMO. It's not a everyone does this quest and we share the results. It's that the the quests are there as source material. And if you want to just play through these quests, if you want to use one or two of the quests in your adventure and then go off from there, it's all very flexible resource for how you want to run your game. I'm pretty impressed by that. I think that's very ambitious. It's very unique. Um, I think it solves the problem of having to buy expensive modules um, and finding out you don't like them. Uh, I think it strengthens mm-hmm. the potential community involvement because uh, they, if they open this up to players posting stuff on forums and loading it into the app, it really gets everybody involved. And it potentially is a great conversation. It's a great, hey, we're all post-replica players at this con. Did you play through Module X? Yeah, we did this, this, and this. Oh, we went this way and found this totally off-the-wall thing. So it's a great way to build the lore and get everybody talking about it, experimenting with it, really exploring that world. I think it's really cool. Any, Any attempt to increase the mix of technology into gaming in a fashion that doesn't take away its core pen and paper feel, I'm all a fan for. Agreement. Alrighty, so uh, I I think we've really talked this playtest through start to finish. Um, I think it's safe to say we are all a big fan of the game. Um, we love the lore. We like some of the unique things about it. I'm going to say my favorite part about... Uh, about everything really was the tactical aspect of combat because it gave a lot of cool options, uh, but it didn't take away from the creativity and the role-playing. So I think it bridged the gap really nicely between a role-play-heavy system and a a tactical-heavy system. Uh, It was appealing for new players, the players who were trying to experiment one way or the other. So yeah, that's that's what I really like the best. Uh, what about Kevin? What did you like the best? I gotta go with the lore in general. Um, there's something refreshing about this post-apocalyptic world. So often, the focus in these type of worlds is on recovering old tech. And let's see what this old tech can help us produce more tech in the future. Whereas this one, humanity's trying to divorce itself from technology for fear of the androids that they may or may not have an actual reason to fear. So the focus isn't so much on the usual tropes of a post-apocalyptic world. It's on the survival of these obviously sentient, um, self-actualized creatures, the androids, in a very hostile world for them. And that's very interesting to me. It's different, it's unique, and, you know, the combat being interesting as well just lends itself to furthering my interest. Cool. And Matthew, what about you, buddy? Uh, I really enjoyed the dice 
Um, the fact that we have so many in our hands, we're rolling them, and then we get to re-roll the bad ones. I haven't had that in an RPG in a while, so... There we go. Uh, I think this was an excellent game for the trials here. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing it, and I think it uh, it is safe to say that this small playtest left us all... Um, Definitely interested in the game, in the lore, and definitely wanting to see more. Um, so there you guys go. Um, we uh, That was the post-replica trial uh, with me, Matthew, and Kevin. We had a great time. Uh, by the time you are hearing this, the Kickstarter will be running for post-replica. Uh, check out the link in our show notes. Uh, they have some really, really cool rewards and some stretch goals planned. So check it out and uh, definitely give it some coin. Make this thing happen. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash therpgacademy.com and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus, at The RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.